Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We've been talking about a lot of the gifts, and we're going to continue to do so, but today we're going to continue looking at the gift of prophecy in particular. And uh, I'll just be honest, as I always try to be up here, um, I thought this was going to be a shorter series, and every time I sit down to prepare a message, there's just more and more and more that comes out of it. So I don't know how long we're going to talk about prophecy, and then we're going to move into speaking in tongues and gifts of healing, and there's a lot that we're going to cover. Um, And in this first service here today, there was a lot that I wanted to cover, and we got to about half of it. So I have no promises for what exactly we're going to speak about here today. But I am just very excited because I know the Holy Spirit's moving in this place feeling him during worship, hearing the prophetic word that was given, knowing that he is having his way in our body is the most important thing that we could ever do to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak. And so last week we started by talking about prophecy with a very simple definition. But before we go back into that, I I felt led to just share a story, a testimony of sorts that's part of our church. A few months ago, Uh, November of last year, we had a guest speaker come in on a Wednesday night, and his name was Alan Ross. And we have a pastor in our church, Pastor Bill Canick, who recommended Alan. And what he said to me is, you should have Alan come speak. He's going to be in the area, and he's the real deal. I think those are the words that you used. He's the real deal. And I remember being excited, but also, when you're going to have a prophet come speak, you want to know that they're the real deal. You want to know they're legit before you bring them in. But I trusted Bill, and I was so happy that I did because he came in and he ministered to our church and gave some incredibly powerful words, both to me, to our church, to other individuals. And it was an amazing thing because we know that we need God's voice speaking in our church. So that was incredible in and of itself. But then that week, I went to Rwanda with World Vision as part of our Chosen campaign. And I remember, and I know some of you may know this story, I was driving in an SUV uh, back from one of the villages in Rwanda, in Gisagara. We were doing some ministry out there, and there was a three-hour trip back, and I know we were all planning to sleep. We were all exhausted. We were ready just to close our eyes and enjoy the bumpy roads and allow them to, to put us to sleep. But me and one of the guys named Josh, we started having a conversation. And we were talking about our journey of faith and, and how he was led to world vision and different things. And we got on the topic of prophecy. And so, of course, just coming out of that week with Alan coming to our church and speaking, I was so excited to share with him and to tell him the word that uh, he had spoken to me and to our church. And, and so then, as I was telling him, he looks at me and he said, you know, I, I had a really impactful prophecy in my life as well. It was a prophecy that really shaped a lot of things. It was given to me X amount of years ago at this location. It was by this prophet named Alan Ross. And I remember just looking at him Like, I'm pretty sure my mouth was just like, I I genuinely didn't say anything. I just looked at him like, are you kidding me? This man, Alan, that I had just met less than a week before, I'm talking to this guy who I had just met a day before. We are in Africa. Alan Ross is from Scotland. We're in New York. My friend Josh is in Kentucky. And yet we're having this conversation about how God spoke through Alan Ross in New York, spoke to him years before. And he's like, he looks at me and he goes, it was Alan Ross that gave you that prophecy, wasn't it? And I was like, it was. And it was, he goes, well, there's your confirmation. 
I mean, how amazing is God to speak a word right there in this building and to confirm it on the other side of the world in Africa through somebody who I had never met before? It's just incredible. And I bring that up, obviously, because we have to know the significance and the importance of the gift of the prophetic when it's an operation in the body of Christ. We have to know that there is a high priority that we have to place on hearing his voice, knowing that he's speaking and speaking the word as we did today during worship when Melissa shared that word. We have the ability to hear from God. We have the ability to recognize that he's speaking to us and then to be able to bring it to the body to edify and to equip one another. And so last week we talked about what prophecy was and we gave a very simple definition which was that it's to reveal by divine inspiration. Prophecy is to reveal by inspiration that comes from heaven. That's the simple definition. But what prophecy also does is that prophecy, it shapes, it molds, it directs, it comforts, and it equips. What prophecy does is it takes our ability to hear and to see what God is doing and to raise our level of expectation through what he has said. Who knows, we have a lot of voices coming at us on a daily basis. Voices from friends and family, voices from the radio, from the news, from podcasts, from YouTube, from all these different things. We have all of these voices. And yet those voices are only able maybe to inform us, maybe to encourage us at times. But when we have the ability to tap into what God is saying, It has the ability to raise our expectations, to take our vantage from looking at what's here on the surface and to see something greater. But not only that, because that's amazing in and of itself, but what prophecy is meant to do is to invite us from where we are to a higher level of joining together with what he's doing. A word of prophecy might be spoken to us and we're here in the midst of our circumstance, and the prophecy is pointing all the way over there. But what the prophecy is meant to do is to give us an invitation to say, things may look a certain way right now, but I'm calling you to a higher level. Things may be going away that are really discouraging right now. You may be up against circumstances and situations that are are pulling you away and tearing you down. But what God is saying through prophecy is, I have another way. I have a better way. That even in the midst of what you're facing and going through, I want to give you an invitation to step into something greater. I want to give you an invitation to take your faith and to join it together with what I am saying, no matter what it is that you're facing. See, prophecy is so very important for the body of Christ. It's so very important for us to recognize that we need to hear his voice. We need to know what it is to walk in agreement with it and to take our faith and to say, God, it doesn't matter what I see in the natural. I'm choosing to see what you're saying. I'm choosing to hear what you're saying right now in this situation. Acts chapter 2 verses 17 and 18 is the passage that we looked at last week, and we'll just touch on it again, because this was the beginning of of where we started to recognize that prophecy through the Holy Spirit is now available to all of us as the church. 
Acts chapter 2, this is where Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come down. He has fallen on them as tongues of fire. And he gets up and he preaches this message and he quotes the prophet Joel. And he tells them that they are in a new day. He says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I know this is recap, but just for a second, in case anyone wasn't here last week, Peter was inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak these words by Joel to tell them, listen, this is the day that you're now living in. Joel said in the last days, when the Holy Spirit fell, when he came and he empowered the church, the body of believers, what the Holy Spirit was doing was empowering his children to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, to walk in the gift of prophecy, to be able to see things, to be able to know things, to be able to partner together with him in a way that was never possible before, except for brief moments in time. Peter said in the last days, this is going to happen. And we know the Holy Spirit was poured out. So then Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.39 says, So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy. What we have to know is that when Paul speaks these words, he's giving us an invitation into something that is not optional but something that we as believers in Christ are meant to operate in, to know well and and to see God speaking to us, speaking through us, and knowing what it is to walk in this truth. And so my goal today, amongst other things, is to really bring us to a place of knowing how we can hear the voice of God, to know what it is to actually hear and discern Him speaking, how we know it's Him and, and how we recognize when it's Him actually speaking and maybe when it's something else. We want to talk about what this looks like in church and what this looks like for the gathering at Faith Assembly. And I hope that we're going to get to all of it, but if we don't, we're going to go through this for the next couple of weeks. But uh, I really wanted just to start by looking at prophecy as an invitation. Prophecy is what it's made, been made available to us. There's a couple of things that I, I want to touch on too, which is the difference between a gift, a calling, and an anointing. This is what I didn't talk about during the first service, so you guys are going to get a little bit of a special uh, message here today because I, I do want to touch on some of this and we're going to continue to develop it. But I believe that it's important for each one of us to know the difference between a gift and a calling. When we talk about prophecy, we're talking about a gift that has been given to us through the Holy Spirit. So the gift of prophecy, when we look at uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, Paul says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So this word gift in the Greek is the word charisma. We've all heard the word charisma before, right? Charisma comes from the Greek. The root word is the word charis, which is the word grace. And when we add the, uh, the ending to it of ma, it means the result of grace that has been given. So a gift is the result of grace that has been given to us, which means that we as the church have gifts that have been made available to us 
through the free gift of God's grace to everyone who believes in the name of Jesus. So the gifts of God are what we are called as believers to operate in. The gifts of God are called to be operational in our life so that we can build up the body and those around us. And Paul says there are different manifestations of these gifts. There are different ways that these appear. They're not all going to look the same. You're not going to have the same gifts necessarily as the person next to you. But every one of these gifts is from the same Spirit. He says in 1 Corinthians 12 that this gift that is going to be operational in your life is a result of grace. And then he uses this word diaconia, which means to serve others. It's the picture of waiting tables. It's the picture of taking what we have and giving it to others. See, the gifts are meant to be given to others around us. But there's another word that he uses in verse 6, which is the word energema. It's where we get the word energy from. And what we see in this word, it's, it's the idea of taking something and plugging it into the outlet. We can have an amazing uh, power tool, but if it's supposed to be plugged into the wall and we never plug it into the wall, what's it good for? Nothing. It needs to be energized. And so the gifts of God are called to be energized in our lives. They're called to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And what I see happen so often is that we have these amazing gifts that have been made available to us. But as we said last week, very often we leave them unopened and untouched. Who knows that somebody could get you the best gift you've ever received, the best birthday present or Christmas present, whatever it might be. They can put all their thought into it. They can spend a ton of money on it. They can really pain over like what they're going to get you. But if you never open the gift, it's not going to do you any good. I was, you know, joking in the first service. My dad was notorious for this. We'd get him a gift for Christmas. He would take the wrapping paper off. But then the gift inside would remain unopened for months at a time. I would look over at his desk because we used to work together and it would still have like that plastic wrap around it. So I knew he never opened it. I'm like, dad, are you going to open the gift I got you? He's like, yeah, at some point I'm going to open it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just getting around to it. We'd get him gym memberships. Throw my dad on the bus. Sorry, dad. He'd be like, hey, dad, here's three months of free working out at this, at this gym. But who knows that when you get somebody a gift, sometimes it needs to be activated. It, it needs to be actually opened and then used for what it was intended to be used for. You see, we have so many gifts in the body of Christ, both in the natural sense and in the spiritual sense. But if we don't recognize that they're ours, if we never take the time to open them up and to discover what's inside, they are not going to actually give us what we need to fulfill the calling that God has for us. So the gifts are meant for, for use. They're meant to be in operation. 1 Corinthians twelve seven says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each it has been given, but not to each it has been opened. It's been used. It's been activated. We have to take what God has given us, and then we need to actually plug it into the Spirit of God to allow him to bring to life the thing that he has assigned to us. And this is true of prophecy, and this is true of any other gift. It's great to know we have a gift, but what are we going to do with it? So we look at that, that's the word gift, and then we have to understand what the word calling means. 
We touched on calling a couple of weeks ago. Calling is the Greek word klesis, which we said is a divine invitation. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So the difference between a gift and a call is that a calling is not just what you do, it's part of who you are. A gift is something that you can operate in based off of the grace of God. It's important that we understand what our giftings are. But then we have to go a step further where we have to recognize what we've been called to do. You see, calling is part of our identity. Calling is not just that I have the gift to prophesy. I might prophesy, but it doesn't mean necessarily that I'm a prophet. I might be up here preaching, and I love to preach, but it doesn't mean I'm necessarily a preacher. I've been called to be a pastor. You see, the gifts need to be in operation, but we also have to recognize that the gifts then are part of our calling. The identity, the divine invitation that God has given us to step into a different reality. To step into the identity that he has for each one of us. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or the pastors and teachers. He gave them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, these are examples of callings. It's not just what you do, it's who you are. And what's true about these giftings and these callings is that it's not just that we we think about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher as just operating in the church. But who knows that these gifts are not just meant for the church, they're meant to be taken into the world around us. Who knows that we're meant to operate in our calling, whether we're in church or we're in our business, we're in the marketplace, we're in the places of education, in the places of government, in the places of family. Our calling is not just what we do, it's who we are. Therefore, wherever we go, we are bringing our calling with us, and we are called to operate in the gifts given to us. Is this making sense today? We are called into a divine invitation to step into the identity that he's given to us. But we have to understand this identity. We have to explore and embrace who he's called us to be. For our church to function as the body of Christ, we need those who know what they've been called to do and who they've been called to be. So just to recap for a second, we possess specific gifts, but we operate in our calling. We possess a gift, so we can possess the gift of prophecy. We're all called to prophesy. We can possess the gift of faith. Paul talks about that. We're all meant to operate in that area. We can possess these gifts, but then we operate out of the place that we've been called to, who we've been called to be. And so that's the gift and the calling, but then we have to understand the next step, which is the anointing. The anointing is from the Greek word creo. In the Old Testament, this word creo was basically where they would take the, the flask and they would pour it over their head to anoint them to become the next king, the next priest, the next prophet. There was a, a process of anointing those individuals to step into a different realm, into an assignment. You see, they might have the gift of, being a, of, of prophecy. 
They could step into the calling of being a prophet, but when they were anointed, they were then empowered to step into the office that God had called them to walk into. This word anointing we see in the book of Leviticus and 1 Samuel specifically. Leviticus, Moses takes the oil and he anoints Aaron to be the priest. When we look in 1 Samuel 10, Samuel takes the anointing oil and he pours it over Saul to anoint him as king. He pours it over David to anoint him as king. It was a specific act that was taking place to say, you have your gift and your calling. This is now what you've been consecrated to walk into. The anointing was always to appoint an individual to a specific role. But when we move to the New Testament, it's not that the prophets are the ones doing the anointing anymore. There still is the anointing with oil. We can pray over each other and and anoint with oil. But there is this God-given principle of anointing that now takes place in the New Testament. In Luke chapter 4, we see this specifically with Jesus when it tells us that the Holy Spirit consecrated Jesus to step into his messianic office, to step into the place of being the Messiah and equipped him with all that he needed to walk out this anointing. We'll read it together. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is Jesus quoting the book of Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Isn't it crazy that Jesus, the Son of God, needed to be anointed, to be appointed to what he was called to do? I know we've talked about this before, but it's amazing to recognize that Jesus was the Son of God, but also that he was the Son of Man. The Son of God was his identity, knowing that he was fully God. But as being the Son of Man, it meant that he had all the limitations that we have in the natural. Which means that in order for him to be empowered to step into all that God had called him to do, he needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit the same way that we do. I don't know if we need to let that sink in a little bit. It's, it's the words of Jesus. They're not mine. Let's look at the words of Luke through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Okay? So he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then it says he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So if Jesus, the Son of God, needed to step into the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be empowered to do all that he was called to do, what do you think that means for us? I mean, I know we got some talented people in this room, some gifted individuals, but if we are going to step into the gifts, the calling, and the anointing of God, we are never going to be able to do that on our own. This comes from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. This is what Jesus made possible for us through his death and his resurrection. It's amazing to see that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. We have to learn what it is to connect and to tap into that same power 
to do all that we've been called to do. So just to recap this part of it, because I want to go specifically into prophecy here today. We possess specific gifts. We operate in our calling. And we are empowered and appointed through the anointing. And it's the anointing that then positions us to bring these gifts and to walk into the places to which we've been called. So we have gifts that we operate in. We have a calling to which we have been called, and then we have been appointed and anointed through the Holy Spirit to then do all that he's called us to do. And it's that anointing that prepares the way for us to step into those situations and those places that we can operate in our giftings. I know this is a lot, and I'm going to make these notes available, and we'll go into it a little bit deeper. But I think it's so important that we understand the language that we're using here when we talk about a gift. It's a gift. It's a free gift used to edify others. A calling, something that is uniquely ours. The example that I'll maybe give just to maybe make you more confused or to clarify a little bit. When you go to a baseball game, a sporting event, when you go to a concert, you're given a ticket, right? You either purchase a ticket or you're given a ticket. That ticket gives you entrance into the stadium or the arena. With that ticket, that's a gift. You can experience everything together. Everyone in that building gets to experience the game or the concert or whatever it is, right? So that's the gift. Everyone has access to the gifts. But the calling is more specific. Because the calling is your specific seat number. It's the number or the section that's written on your ticket to go sit and to be able to have a specific vantage point from the seat to which you've been assigned. That's your calling. So everyone has a gift and everyone has a calling. Amen? It's going to look different. Your vantage point is going to be different maybe than the person next to you. But it's specifically yours. So what's our responsibility? It's to trust the Holy Spirit, what He's gifted us for, and where he's called us to go. It's to trust that when we say yes to him, that he is going to empower us to operate in the giftings that he's given us and the calling that he's assigned for our lives. So the gifts, the calling, and the anointing. Chris Valentin says this, the gift gives you your ability, the calling gives you your identity, and your anointing gives you your purpose. So when it comes to prophecy, the thing that Paul said that we're all called to eagerly desire and go after, we're talking about a gift. We're talking about the gift that is available to us to be able to hear what God is saying and then to be able to join together with it. So the obvious question, for me at least, becomes this. How do we hear the voice of God as individuals? How do we tune into what God is saying to us? Because if we're called to prophesy, it means that we're called to hear what he's saying. But I think there would be some in this room today that would say, I don't hear from God. Or at least I've never heard from God before. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Well, once again, we'll always go back to where Paul says, to each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit. So no exclusions. So if God is speaking and we're not hearing... Maybe, just maybe, it's because we don't know how he's speaking to us. 
There are over, I don't know if it's 6,000 or 7,000. I meant to look this up before the second service. 7,000 different languages being spoken in the world right now. Do we think that the God of the universe who created us all uniquely, we all look different, we act different, we have different gifts and callings and all of these things. Do you think that he would be limited to speaking to us all in the same way? Probably not. I would say absolutely not. You see, God knows how we've been created and we've been designed. And he knows how he designed us to hear from him. So there's a couple of ways that I just want to touch on. There are four main ways that I want to look at here today that God speaks to us. And I want to just invite you to think for yourself how God may have been speaking to you. And and maybe you just didn't recognize it up to this point. But this is the way that we can tune in, okay? So the four ways that I know that God speaks to us, and this is from a study called Prophetic Personalities. It's by a woman named Havila Cunnington, and I'm going to uh, try to make this available to everybody by next week. I'm I'm working on it with some like unique tests that you can take to kind of hear for yourself how God speaks. But the four ways that from this study we see that he speaks is, first of all, with our ability to see. Some of us are very visual people. I can say something and instead of hearing the words and, and allowing it to sink in that way, you start to see pictures. You start to visualize it. We have visual learners, we call it, right? I'm a visual learner. I like to see it. You can have a conversation with me and you can tell me directions someplace, but if I don't see it written down on a map, it's lost on me. I'm, I'm done after the second thing you just said. Take the left and then, yeah, I'm done. Maybe why I'm so bad with names. I'm going to institute uh, name tags starting next week. So I can see your name. That's going to be helpful for me. Some of us are visual people. We, we can see things. We might be in worship and we're worshiping God and we start to see a picture of something. We're praying for somebody and we start to see a picture. We're sleeping and, and we start to have a dream and, and we realize that it's not just the Chinese food we had for dinner last night, but maybe there's some more significance to it. And God is speaking something through it. So some of us can see, and and that's how God uses us to be able to hear, hear what he's saying through what we see. There's another element of this, which is our ability to uh, understand what he's showing us through discernment. Some of us can walk into a room and you can pick up like that if something's going on. Like, not just a situation where somebody was in a fight and you could just, everyone could feel it, but like, there is something in you where you can feel that God is showing you something. And maybe you don't recognize that it's Him showing you something, but He's speaking to you through your discernment. He's giving you the ability to pick up on something. He's revealing something to you so that you have an invitation to go up higher. The thing is, though, if we don't know that it's God, we might have this revelation that something's going on and we might use it to judge that person because, oh man, that person gives me the creeps. I know we're in church. We could be honest. Like, there's just something about that person. And we're not responding to the invitation to go higher. We're responding in the natural to make a judgment. But what God's wanting to do is there's something that, that you recognize here, but what am I saying about that? There's something that you're picking up on in this environment. Maybe you're called to, to pray over this environment, to intercede, to speak in agreement with the word of God and to bring change. So some of us just have this ability to know what God is saying. 
But maybe we've never developed that gift, and so it just stops short at just being aware of something for a moment. Another way that he speaks to us is, this one gets a little bit sketchy, okay? We know that our emotions really get a bad rap sometimes, right? We don't want to be led by our emotions. We know that there are times where our emotions have led us to do something, and and we found out that it wasn't very good after all, right? Our emotions are like this thing that they're here, they're there, they're everywhere, But who gave us emotions? Are you guys sure about that? God gave us emotions. Now, sometimes the emotions are just to be the indicator of what's going on inside of us. Like we we experience anger or sadness or something like that, and, and we recognize, okay, there's something deeper going on than just this situation I'm facing. So emotions are really good for that. But who knows that God can actually use our emotions to speak to us and to show us what he's saying. All right, no one's convinced about this. God has given us the ability to feel, to experience, to recognize. And yes, when our emotions are only subject to our flesh and to the things that we're seeing in the natural, well, our emotions are always going to lead us astray. But what happens when our attention and our focus is put on him and we come into alignment with what he's saying. Our emotions are sanctified to be able to reveal to us the things that God is wanting to show us. It's pretty cool, right? So we have the ability to see, the ability to know, the ability to feel, and then we have the ability to hear. Now, this is the one that we think of most often. Sometimes we think it's going to be this voice that comes down from heaven and shakes the room and, and there's all these manifestations, but we've heard that God sometimes is in the still small voice, right? That there's the ability for God to speak into our spirit, that we're able to actually hear words that are being spoken inside of us, that he's actually saying something. And, and so this is a really powerful way to hear. And sometimes we'll hear, and sometimes we'll see, and sometimes we'll feel, and sometimes we'll know. It's not our responsibility to dictate how we hear from God. It's our responsibility to invest in deeper relationship with Him, to allow Him to show us how He speaks to us, and once we get an idea of what that looks like, to operate in it. To not leave the gift off to the side using it in case of emergency only, but to go before God in relationship and to say, God, are you wanting to show me something? Are you wanting to tell me something? Like for those of you who dream, maybe this just looks like taking a journal and putting it on your nightstand. So when you wake up in the morning, you write it down instead of going 10 minutes in your day and completely forgetting it and not having any idea what you dreamed about. For some of us, when it comes to hearing, like I often have a notepad on my phone and and when it's safe to do so, or I'll just tell Siri, hey Siri, make this note, and then to write it down, to take the time to develop what he's saying and to learn how he's speaking to each one of us. So then the next question is, how do we know that it's him? It's an important next question. Because like I said, sometimes that dream you had is because of the Chinese food you ate and Maybe you had a dream that you quit your job and then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, God's speaking to me. Going to work, sorry. Had a dream, I'm done here. Right? Not a good idea. 
So how do we know that it's him speaking? How do we know that it's him showing us? We, we talked about emotions. Emotions are, are sometimes really hard to pin down, especially when it comes to anything of, of a romantic nature. How many guys in church have been like, that's the woman I'm going to marry? We've never had a conversation before, but I just feel that God is saying to me that that's the woman I'm going to marry because she's beautiful, and of course that's what's going to happen. God wants to give me the desires of my heart, right? Okay, you guys get the point. Okay, first of all, it's important for us to know that hearing from God, especially in the beginning, is not always going to be perfect. When we are developing in this gift, it's a lot like the newborn or the toddler learning how to walk. There's a few steps and then there's the fall. There's a few steps and there's the wobble. There's the shake. There's the, uh uh-oh, I don't know, right? When we're learning to hear from God, we have to give ourselves permission to not have it perfect every single time. We have to be very aware of who we're giving the words to, right? We don't want to just be practicing on people all over the place. We'll talk more about that in a second. But there is not always going to be this, thus saith the Lord, God speaks through me and I have this perfect word. There is part of who we are in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophets would speak. They would speak the word of God. They were recorded in scripture. They were the inerrant word of God. In the New Testament, he's using us to develop the gifts, which means that we have to learn to operate in them. We have to practice. We have to to hone in what it means to hear God's voice. I know there are times where I have heard something where I felt like it was what God was saying, and, and at least in part it was, but I needed to take time to pray into it a little bit more. But the more confident that I've become in the way that he speaks, the more willing I am then to speak the word because I've learned how my father speaks to me. We've talked about the five love languages, which I always forget one of them. Touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, which is the one I always forget, and gifts. All right, we got them all. Thank you, baby. Yes, Jamie's uh, love language is quality time. I am, my brain is too all over the place to sit still sometimes. I'm, I'm working on it. But the point is, we have to know how the people we love, how they don't just communicate love, but how they receive love. I could tell Jamie all day, every day, I love you, I love you, I love you, and buy you gifts. But if I'm not taking the time to spend with her, who knows she's not going to feel loved. We have to know how God speaks to us as individuals. We have to learn his language. You have to learn the way he communicates. And the more familiar we become with the way that he speaks, the more confident we become in knowing what he's saying even when the situation is a little bit dire. But this requires us to walk in this, to practice this. Man, it's getting late already. Okay, so number one, we have to know that it's not always going to be perfect. Number two, we have to work on developing this gift. There are some guidelines that we should be aware of. Number one, a word from God is never going to violate Scripture. God's never going to say something to you that stands in opposition to what he said in his word. So that brings us back to another point, how important it is for us to know the word of God. If we know what he said, if we know how he has spoken throughout the generations, we'll know how he speaks to us as well. We have to know it's never going to violate his word. And number two, a prophetic word is never going to violate his nature. His nature. 
Once again, we have to know who God is. This is why relationship is so important. We live in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, where Jesus has come, He's given His life, where the death and the resurrection of Jesus has brought us into a place with right standing with Jesus. It doesn't mean that a word can't bring correction. I shared in the first service a word when I was a young kid where this prophet came in and and I knew him, but he said, Samuel, where have you been? Like the word was very direct. It was very stern. Where have you been? I was doing some things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And what God was saying, he was bringing my attention back to him and then speaking about what he wanted to do. It was an invitation in the midst of my mess to bring me to something better. But it's never going to violate the word of God. The prophecy is never going to be telling you that you're such a terrible person. Like you're a disappointment to God. You broke God's heart. That's not how prophecy works. There is a correction to the situation that we're in at times, but it's always speaking out of the nature of who the Father is. There is always the invitation in the prophecy to take our attention off of what's here to put it where he is. We have to know that prophecy has a purpose and that it's not going to violate his nature. The third thing is that God isn't responsible to answer always our yes or no left or right questions. Sometimes we want to go to God and we don't really want to hear what he has to say fully. We just want to be like, God, should I do this? Yes or no? And then we like quickly, I think it was yes. Okay. I think it was, yes, let's go for it. You know that God is not restricted to our parameters that we put on him? Like, we could be like, God, yes or no, and he's like, I'm going to take you all the way over here to something completely different. Left or right? No. There's something else I'm showing you. This is where relationship comes in. I, I touched on this, but I think that we need to be very aware. Parameters. To not think that we've automatically heard the voice of God when it comes to a romantic relationship right away. I think there's like a 3% success rate and that's the person I'm going to marry. Now, some of you are going to defy that. You're going to say this was, this was different for me and that's great. I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen. What I'm saying is, this leads me to my next point, that if we are going to hear a prophetic word, it should be done in community. That we should have people around us that we trust. People around us that we know can help when we say, that's the person I'm going to marry. And they're like, did you ever have a conversation with them? No. Okay, maybe there's some steps in between here and there. Okay, you want to quit your job? Uh, is this a good idea right now? Or, or maybe we need to look at some of these other things. Maybe you are meant to leave your job, but maybe it's not tomorrow. To have trusted people around us that we respect and we know that they have a credibility and a maturity in hearing from God. We want to make sure that we are allowing God to speak and we want to make sure that we are giving him an opportunity to do that, both as individuals and also as the corporate body, the gathering of believers. We as a church, of course, we encourage the prophetic and we want to hear God speak. And so we touched on hearing God as individuals. How do we hear God as a body? There are going to be times where, just like today during worship, and many times as we've had happen in in times of worship and in our services, where somebody has a prophetic word. We want to know what God is saying. We want to hear what he's saying. And so what we ask you to do here is to come forward and to grab one of the pastors, generally in the front row over here, but if not, maybe over here, Pastor Dave, Pastor Jeff, Christian, myself, uh, 
and, and to bring it forward so that we can hear what God's put on your heart. Because there are some times that that word is going to be for the entire congregation. And we're going to ask that you would share it or we'll share it because we know God's speaking. Sometimes it might be something that's just for you. Sometimes it might be a future word instead of just being a now word. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And so what we're asking is that you would come forward and to tell us when you have a word or write it down. There's been a lot of times where I've received some incredible words. I, I remember many times Michelle Jackson, who uh, they've moved away at this point, but she would come and, and it seemed like every time she had a word, she would write it down before church. And so many times I was preaching on that Sunday and she wouldn't know it and she would hand me this piece of paper and the word would tie in directly with what I was going to preach about that Sunday. We want to hear the prophetic words, and so we ask that you would allow us to use discernment, whether or not it's for the body, or if it's for just one person, or if there's something else that God's leading us to do with it. But we want to allow God to speak, and that's the important part. We want to ask that you would recognize that God has given you the ability to hear His voice, that God speaks to you, and the gift of prophecy is to build up and to equip the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul gives us some instruction in this. He says, For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The spirit of God needs to operate in this room. But there is a way that God moves and we want to be obedient to it. I also want to just put out there, we have this book over here on this table. It's meant for prophetic words. If you ever want to come and give a prophetic word, we will review it as the staff and, and as the ministry teams and pray into it. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. And the final thing is, how do we as individuals receive prophetic words from others? I know this is a lot, and I know we're, we're touching on some, some not deeper things, but very practical things here today, but I think it's important. You see, there are people in this room that have received prophetic words in your life, and some of them may have been amazing, but some of them may have not been so good. There was a, a moment in my life where a, a family friend gave me a prophetic word about how hard my life was going to be, about all the things I was going to go through and life wasn't going to be easy and I was going to learn things the hard way all the way through. And you know, sometimes it's like, okay, life is not going to be easy, but thank God my mom was there and she listened and she's like, that just didn't sit well with me. That was not a word from God. And so instead of coming into agreement with that word, we stepped out of agreement with that word and broke the power of it. And thank God, it has not been true in my life. There are words that, I'll just throw this out there too, maybe prophetic words in your life that you need to reevaluate right now. Words that you've embraced and you've accepted and, and they weren't from him. But in addition to saying that, I want to say that just because we've had a bad experience with the prophetic in the past does not mean that we then despise the, the prophetic and quench the spirit. If you went to a restaurant and you got food poisoning, it doesn't mean you're never going to eat again. It doesn't mean you're never going, going to go to a restaurant again. You just might not go back to that same restaurant again. Right? So... The prophetic is meant to be used in the body to equip the body. And if you've had a bad experience, and, and many of us have, don't allow that to be the understanding that you have about the way that God speaks. 
Because as many times there have been abuses, that there have been so many more times where God speaks direction and he gives us the ability to have a higher vantage point for what he's calling us into. The last thing I'll say here today is that timing is key. Prophetic words are not always going to be for this moment. They're not always going to be for 10 minutes from now. We have the word that we're going to step into great wealth and everything's going to be amazing and all of these things. And we're like, okay, God, what happened? It's been seven days and nothing has happened. It's been a year and nothing has happened. And I say this jokingly, but I do know that there are times where decades have gone by and we feel like, God, where are you? I know that word is from you. Why have I not seen it come to pass? What I want to tell you in this is that God is always in the process. He's always in the waiting. There may have been a lot of situations that have gone on in your life, and I don't know every one of them. But I'm telling you this, that if God has spoken a word over your life, what I want to encourage you to do today is to go before him, to remember the prophecy, and say, God, I am standing in faith for what you have said. It doesn't matter what situations have looked like, what has passed. I am trusting that you are going to bring your word to fulfillment. That's something that I believe is so important for us as a body to do, to remind ourselves of the prophecies. I have prophecies written on my, on my iPad right here that I can go back to on a regular basis to look at, to read, to, to pray about, and to allow God to speak to me through various situations. 